Let's quickly, in the little bit of time we have left, consider two other kinds of choices. The choices that others make that affect our lives and how we should respond to them and the choices that we ought to be making ourselves in light of God's Word. Quickly, consider the choice that Eve made and Adam in the Garden of Eden and the effects that has had on 80, 100 billion souls that have to suffer death because God had told them, if you choose to eat of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll, day, you'll die in the day that you eat thereof. You'll die. And your descendants will die. And so the consequences have been enormous. Sickness, sin, trouble, death, and dying are because of that choice. Cain chose to kill Abel for no good reason. Adam suffered to have one of his sons murder another. Eve suffered to have a son murder another. Abel suffered. He lost his life. God told him, God told Cain, your brother's desire shall be to you and you'll rule over him. And he ruled over him and killed him. And then Cain was punished by the Lord severely enough that he would say, my punishment is greater than I can bear. In, the, in Genesis chapter 4, what we're looking at is the choices others made that affected their lives. Did Cain's choice affect Abel's life? Yep. Severely. But where's Abel and where's Cain? Abel is in heaven and Cain is in hell. Abel is in Hebrews 11 and Cain is in 1 John 3. One's an example of faith. The other is an example of hatred and murder. Lot chose to pitch his tent toward Sodom. You should have seen Lot before he pitched his tent toward Sodom. You should have seen him when he went to the grocery store or went out to eat with his beautiful wife. Lot had a beautiful wife. And they had five beautiful little girls. They looked like some of the girls in this church. They had a little girl that looked like Charity. They had a little girl that looked like Brianna. They had a little girl that looked like Esther and Abigail. It was a wonderful family. Happy mommy and daddy. Successful, prosperous father. Beautiful wife. And five little girls. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. The father made a choice to be a carnally-minded worldling. What did it do to his wife? She was a pillar of salt because she fell in love with the wicked city that Lot took her toward. What happened to the daughters? Three of them married pagans in the city of Sodom and were cremated while alive. Two of them were so corrupted by the morals of the high school they went to because their father pitched his tent toward Sodom that they committed incest with their father in a cave and were pregnant by him. And their seed were the Moabites and the Ammonites that were thorns in the sight of Israel forever. All of that, let's know, let's just keep going. The bank accounts were burned up. The assets, the balance sheet of Lot, I don't care how big of a bag of coins he took with him, he was wiped out financially. 
He ended his life, as the Bible tells us, in the mouth of a cave with two pregnant daughters by him, sitting beside him, and nothing else. And it all started because one man made one lazy decision for his family. Every time you men come home from work and you're too tired to deal with your family, or you're in a funk and you don't want to deal with your family, there is pain and hell to bear because of that. That's why God made you a man. The buck stops with you. If you want to be lazy, spoiled, carnal, hobby-driven, time-driven, there's going to be pain to bear in your life. We can't be like Lot. The, the point we're making right now is others make choices and they affect many lives. One man made a choice and it affected all those lives. Three daughters cremated alive. Pharaoh wished, I mean, the, the parents of Egypt wished that Pharaoh had been a little more submissive to Moses' request. Because Pharaoh as a king made a choice that I will not submit to God, and they lost the firstborn in their families. Every mother woke up that next morning and went in after the angel of the Lord had visited their home and found a dead son. And there was wailing in Egypt. They cleaned out their bank accounts and poured that money on the nation of Israel and said, just get out of here before we're all dead. Because one man made a choice. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? David chose to get up one night, unhappy with his harem of beautiful women, and commit adultery with a woman that wasn't his. The consequences chased him the rest of his life. Amnon, Absalom, Adonijah, and a dead baby that he had to hold a funeral for because of the sin of its mother and father, David and Bathsheba. That little baby didn't make a choice to commit adultery. But that little baby died. Because God is God and he's a holy God. And that baby wasn't righteous. It had a sin nature from Adam. And if it would have been old enough, it would have committed adultery as fast or faster than David did. But it died because David committed adultery. The war leaders of Germany and Japan thought they wanted to take on the rest of the world in World War II. And we burned their nations to the ground. Sixty million lives because of a few nutcases. Nutcases can make decisions and cost sixty million lives. Do you know how many mothers had their hearts ripped in half with the news that they had lost a son or more than one son or daughter? Families that were wiped out, houses that were lost because of the decisions of leaders. Others make choices and affect our lives. We have someone here that works for Wachovia. Kenneth Thompson is the chairman of Wachovia. He took over a number of years ago after some very competent men that ran that company. And in the year 2006, in all of his brilliant wisdom, he thought that he ought to spend $25.5 billion and buy Golden West, a savings and loan, in the state of California. His words were, when he bought it two years ago, we have bought the crown jewel of the savings and loan business. Well, the crown jewel of the savings and loan business is nothing but dung. The savings and loan business has always been dung. 
because all it knows how to do is make mortgages. And Golden West made terrible mortgages. And what was once a super-duper bank holding company is now saddled with a boat anchor called Golden West that they bought two years ago at the top of the real estate market. And so there's a couple hundred thousand Wachovia employees that will not enjoy as good of a life, possibly, as they could have if they'd had a wiser chairman that would have seen California real estate values have gone up 600% in the last 12 years. I don't think we want to buy in at the top. And would have stayed away. And on and on we could go. You have your bosses that make foolish choices. And guess what? We bear the consequences many times. But do you know what all of this is to say? There's a God in heaven and he protects us from the foolish choices of others. That is what I wanted to get to. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are to submit to ourselves even to forward masters. Even to forward masters that are not wise, that make foolish choices, that don't keep their word. We as Christians submit to them anyway out of conscience toward God. Because God will protect us. When a famine came into Canaan and Egypt, did God protect 70 souls? He, what part of the land did they live in? The best. Praise the Lord. The Egyptians didn't know what good land was. The Israelites lived there. Did the good land help them multiply? Well, they went from 70 to 600,000 men, not counting women and children, in 215 years. Go home and plug that into your calculator. There ain't no fertility drug like that known in America yet. I'm telling you. Go plug it in. It's unbelievable. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. They didn't starve. They ate the best. and They multiplied. You say, but Pharaoh made them build bricks with less and less straw. It made them, it made them thankful when they got to Canaan or on the way to Canaan. It made them cry out to God, and he rescued them with Moses. He preserved them from that. It was their taskmasters that lost their firstborn sons. It was their taskmasters that had frogs in their bread. Do you remember? It was their taskmasters that had so many flies on them they couldn't see the television screen. The Lord made up for all that. You can put your trust in the Lord. We must put our trust in the Lord. Much of your life, much of my life, has been determined by choices others made. I'm so thankful that my wife's father, in the coal mining country of Virginia, said, I am sick of black lung and the poverty and ignorance that reigns in this part of Virginia. I have heard that there are some auto factories in Detroit, Michigan, that pay a decent wage. I think I'll take the 50 bucks that I have in my borrowed car and drive to Michigan and get me a job. And he did that. And all nine of his brothers and sisters followed him so that they all lived in the Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti area and worked at the auto plants. And now they've all retired together in South Alabama, just north of Pensacola, all together. But if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't have a wife. I was getting to that point, okay? I wasn't going to go looking in the coal mining country of Virginia for a wife. 
I didn't even know how to get there. Couldn't afford to get there anyway. So the Lord brought her to me. My parents know the story well. She lived three houses away. She was just a little girl down the street that played with my sister until she turned 14. Then she walked into church one day and God made another choice. <laughs> she looked pretty good. And we're married. We're thankful for that. But it's, it's others' choices. What if her father hadn't made that choice? You say, well, it would have been someone else. Yes, that's true. That's true. You can say that. But, you know, I'm thankful for the way he works out all the details of others' choices. And we learn to submit to them and appreciate them and to look back and give God the glory for them. And see, we talked about this yesterday and went through the details of it and thanked the Lord for those choices that were made. If, the, if someone makes good choices for us, what do we do? We thank them for that. When was the last time you thanked your parents for good choices? My parents know I'm thankful for every good thing they did in my life. They know I'm thankful for teaching me the Word of God from the earliest days. I can remember verses I learned when I was five years of age and under because they pushed the Word of God on me. And they had it in their home. And I'm thankful for all that. If someone over us makes bad choices for us, we forgive them and we go on. This idea that because some father, grandfather, mother, uncle, aunt abused somebody and it's going to affect you for the rest of your life, you are the only one that allows that to happen. They cannot affect the rest of your life. You are affecting the rest of your life by not forgiving them. Forgive them and go on. The Bible doesn't teach that one bit, and until the last generation, no one had ever heard of such a thing. No one had ever heard of some event in your childhood affecting the rest of your life. Just like no one had ever heard of a man going off to war and being twisted and messed up psychologically when he came back. Men have fought in wars from the beginning of the world. All of a sudden, we've got these new syndromes. We have a lazy generation, a selfish generation. We forgive, and we honor those in authority over us. I'm not justifying abuse. I hate abuse. It's a sin before God, and they'll they'll be punished by God. That don't repent. But you can't let that mess up your life. Forgive them. There's going to be so many bad choices made. Brethren, I went to a site yesterday on the cost of the Iraq war. You all know me that you never hear me complaining about our government hardly. I got so worked up, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'm capable of anything when I read stuff like that. That war was misrepresented to this nation, and it is costing us so much. It is called the $3 trillion war. This nation didn't have $3 trillion. It was already $10 trillion in debt. And there are 4,300 bodies laid beneath the side of this nation. And parents and wives and children and grandparents, uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters who have lost a son or a daughter in that war. Because a decision was made for us to enter into war. And whether it was justifiable or not, that those men will have to answer to the God of heaven for it. But that's affecting our whole economy. It affects us. It affects people because there's death. It affects people because there's tremendous financial loss. That war is costing $400 million a day. The direct expenses are already $550 billion. $1,800 per every citizen of the United States. 
300 million strong. Someone made that choice. We bear the consequences of it. And what does the Bible tell us to do with, with that choice? It tells us, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Right. We don't submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for their sake. We submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake because that's the only motive that can get me to do it. I hope you know what I mean when I say that. If those, if, if those in authority over us make bad choices, we can still trust God who will protect us from their bad choices. Amen. This has never changed. The situation our country is in is no different than the situation other countries have been in from the beginning. If a boss makes bad choices for you, you still submit to him and obey him well in all things because you're a Christian and there is a master in heaven over him. Every time we see the perverting and corruption of judgment in a province, Ecclesiastes 5.8 tells us to remember that there is higher than they. Amen. And we don't sit and we don't go, we don't march on Washington, we don't assassinate leaders, we don't try to subvert authority and be seditious and treasonous. We just trust in the God of heaven to overrule them and protect us in spite of what they're doing. I once read that an edict passed in the land of Persia under the Persian Empire and the laws of the Persians could not be altered. That all the Jews were going to be exterminated. But there was a lunch held that day, later, where a little woman was so terrified she couldn't even ask for her nation's life that day. She had to say, could we come back and try it again tomorrow? She couldn't get it out the first day. She was also very wise. Don't worry about that. Just, she was wise. Esther was wise. And so the next day when she sat with Ahasuerus and Haman, she said, there's a wicked plan in this nation to kill all my people. And Ahasuerus said, who would do such a dastardly thing? The blood rose up into his face. His fists were clenched. And Esther said, this man Haman, <laughs> oh, the, the Lord is good and he's sweet. Amen. We trust Him. Grandparents' choices on your life are huge, but you can't even see them. You're removed from them. But they're there. But you know what? God's able to overrule them all. You know, can you imagine the great, the great grandson of Judah when he looked back in his family tree and found he was the result of incest? You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ looked back in his family tree, he found incest in it. Adultery? Is God able to overrule all those things and bring about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Amen. It's all in Matthew chapter 1. So we, learn, we just learn to submit to all that and we forgive people. We forgive them. We forgive and go on because there's a God in heaven taking care of us. No wonder the Bible emphasizes forbearing and forgiving offenses of others because... We make so many choices that are hurtful to others, even in our own midst. Let's, move, let's look at our choices. If you feel out of control by all the choices that God has made and others have made that have affected your life, well, there's some choices you can make. You can choose right now to forgive them for the choices they've made, to bless the God of heaven for the choices he's made, and to ask him to show you his will for your life because you're going to choose that. Right. And I'll tell you, you'll be a blessed person even while you're making that choice. Every man is going to bear the burden of his choices. Our whole lives are a string of choices. Like I said earlier today, before you get to put your head in the pillow, you will have made many choices. You will have made many choices, whether to put the kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness first, 
or your life first, your comfort first, your pleasure first, your habits first, your selfishness first. You will have made many choices. You make the choice to put the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness first, and all these other things in your life will be added to you, and God will bless you. But every man will bear his own burden. You can choose to get up or not tomorrow morning and hit the ground running with whatever duties God has given you. You can choose to work hard or not, and you'll bear the consequences. The hand of the diligent shall be made fat. A slack hand is going to lead you to poverty. You can choose to spend foolishly, or you can choose to save. These are choices. You can choose to go to school and apply yourself tomorrow, if you're still in school. Sorry for the timing of that statement. But you can choose to study or not study, and you're going to bear the consequences. You say, well, I didn't study yesterday, and I didn't see any consequences. That's fine. Be that foolish and short-sighted. Don't study today and don't study tomorrow and check with me in 15 years. Maybe I can bring you a can of soup. Because you didn't want to study and you chose not to. It's a choice you make. And the consequences come to bear in the future and you may not see those consequences in the early stages. You can choose to get baptized or not and give God the answer of a good conscience. And you can live with the consequences of defying the importance of honoring the Lord Jesus Christ by your life and committing to baptism. Therefore, choose life. Moses said, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You're going to make a bunch of choices between now and nighttime. Don't neglect your children. They're a duty God's given you. Love those children. Pursue those children. Talk to those children. Win those children. Love them. Guide them. Teach them. Train them. Follow up on them. Chasten them. Direct them. If you don't do it, you're going to be in shame. You may not see it today, but it's coming. You parents with young children, don't you lose a day with them. Be consistent every day with a little bit of effort. And you'll have great children in the future. You get lazy, neglectful, dedicated to your hobbies. You want to go spend time doing something yourself or doing it with your wife. Your children rot while you're doing that. You were given a commitment and a responsibility from the God of heaven who loans you some little souls. And the consequences will come to bear because the Bible tells me so. All I know is what the Bible says. And then I watch it get fulfilled all around me. Proverbs chapter 29 says this. Don't turn. You won't hear me. 29.17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Now, we can look at that verse and say, well, that's only true some of the time. No, that's a rule. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. But then it says this. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You leave a child alone, you neglect a child, they have a default mechanism in them to foolishness, and you are going to reap the consequences of it. They're going to turn out to be a devil because you neglected them. Because that's what we all would be without the grace of God in our lives. Choose life! I'm sorry that I didn't read the whole text because I don't have the whole thing memorized yet. Let me try it again. 
Deuteronomy 30 and 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Because the choice for life affects all those underneath it. Your grandparents have affected your life, which means that your decisions are affecting your grandchildren's lives because the character of your children that will give birth to your grandchildren are being formed by you chasing your foolish little hobbies today. Love your children today and pursue them. Our choices come back with terrible consequences. Choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua would say. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was going to be a father that commanded his household after him, just like Abraham was in Genesis 18, 19. When you make a public choice to follow the Lord, though, you better follow up and do it. Talking about it is no good. The talk of the lips tendeth only to penury in all categories of life. Only those who get out and do it get the blessings. God has promised rewards for some choices. You know, he says, if you'll honor your father and your mother, your life will go well for you, and it will be a long one. And you know what he tells us? He says it's the first commandment with a promise attached to it. He's he's trying to encourage you. When the God of heaven says, did you see the promise? It's the first one I made with a promise attached to it. We should want to lay hold of that commandment and do it with all our might. Where do you want to go to lunch today? I got an idea. I'll see you after. That's nothing. I I ain't doing nothing for drama. I've never done anything for drama. But I'll do everything for the godliness of God's word. Right. Honor your parents. It'll go well with you. That's a choice we all make. Are we going to honor our parents? Ignore our parents. Honor our parents or despise our parents? It's a choice you get to make every day. You know you young people can't write me more than once or twice before I start to say, when was the last time you told your parents that you loved them? Don't you? Get sick of it, don't you? Do you know why I'm doing that? What benefit do I get from that? What, what do I get from that? I get nothing. Do you know why I'm doing that? Because God told me that that is good in His sight. Right. Because I want your parents to get it and I want you to have the blessing. I'm trying to help you be rich, successful, and have a long life. Amen. Because the Bible tells me that. I have so many verses here and points. And a firing squad is staring at me. You make sure you marry in the Lord. Do you know why God sent the flood in Genesis chapter 6? Because the sons of God went out and saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and took them wives of all which they chose. They married out of the Lord, and God sent the flood to drown them all, except one man who had found grace in his sight, and that was Noah. Don't you even think about marrying anyone but someone in the Lord who's on fire for the Lord, who loves Jesus Christ, loves the Bible, wants to live by it, craves truth, is committed to the church of God, seeks the kingdom of God in his life first. Look for that person. Anything less than that isn't good enough. They'll tear you down. They'll mess up your children. How are you going to be united with a Presbyterian when you have a baby? I don't care what that Presbyterian is like. What are you going to do when you have a baby with a Presbyterian? 
You're going to let them take a super soaker and squirt that thing some Sunday and call it a baptism? Mary and the Lord. It's a choice. It's a terrible, it's a, it's a, it's a great choice. But listen, well, I'll help you make it. We'll just say yes or no. Just, just say the name and we'll say yes or no. Can you submit to that? The Bible says in a multitude of counselors there is safety. So why don't you just come in and tell us something about somebody? We'll, we'll meet them. And then you can just ask, and we'll all fill out a little piece of paper, put it in an offering plate. And you can take it home and open up your bag and see if you ought to marry that person. We'll tell you. You don't know anything about marriage. You don't know the first thing about marriage. But we do because we've been married. Do you know that one day of my life teaches me more about marriage than you've accumulated in all 17 years of your life? I'll put that on a piece of paper for you, but I've got 31 years times 365 days. And some people in here have a whole lot more than that. We'll help you. These are choices that we make. What what should you do with a choice like that? You follow God's Word. Does God's Word tell you what kind of a person to marry? When you're looking for a woman, what's the most important thing? Proverbs 31.30 says it so simply. Favor is deceitful. The nice things she does for you are irrelevant. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Beauty is empty and worthless. It doesn't tell you one thing about her character, and it's not going to last long. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. That is the kind of woman you want to marry, and the Bible tells you so. You say, well, what if I'm not sure if she fears the Lord? Then let her meet us, and then ask us, and we'll tell you. Because in a, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's how you can be safe. It's not that we're special. We're just older. We've been married. We're the counselors that God's put in your life. Because He made the choice that we would be the counselors in your life. We'll help you. We want you to be married. We want you to be married as soon as you want to be married. As long as you want to be married for the right reason. We'll help you get married. But we're only going to help you get married in the Lord. You know, we read about Mary and Martha. Did one of them choose the good part? And one of them choose the foolish part? Martha was all worried about the details of fixing food for Jesus. But do you know where Mary wanted to be? Sitting at his feet, hearing the words that Jesus had to speak. And Jesus defended her and said, Mary hath chosen the good part. We always want to put the Lord Jesus Christ first and hearing his word, hearing his word preached, and learning more about his righteousness and the beauty and the glory of his person. Moses made a great choice. Do you know that Moses was in Egypt 40 years of age? He had been very successful in military battles. He was successful in school. He was an advanced student. He was on the fast track to be the next pharaoh, except he had the wrong pedigree. You know what he said? Where's the silver lever? Do you know what that means? He said, I'm going to flush the whole thing. I'm going to flush all 40 years. Of the pleasures of sin for a season and the riches of Egypt. So that I can suffer affliction with the people of God. Affliction with the people of God is better than the riches of Egypt and the pleasures of sin for a season? Do you know what Moses said? What the Bible says about Moses? He had eyes of faith that saw a reward far greater than those present swinging of circumstances. Moses was so great in the kingdom of God... In Hebrews chapter 3, where we have Moses raised as a comparison for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
He made a choice. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26 tells us about it. He forsook it all to be with the people of God. Are you willing to do that? That's a choice. Did Moses get blessed for it? He led three or four million people out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. He got to talk to God face to face. I'd say that's a pretty good blessing. God was with Moses and he walked with him for 40 years. How do we make good choices when we have to make them? Well, the way other people make them sure isn't the way we want to follow. That's called human tradition. Jesus said, you make my worship vanity by following human tradition. We don't follow tradition. We follow the word of God. Worldly wisdom. The world can call themselves wise and pass out their PhDs and other doctorate degrees as they choose. But that isn't wisdom. That's not going to help you make good decisions. The world's making more and more foolish decisions. You would think that the government of the United States of America should be able to make an intelligent decision from time to time. But look at the economic policies they follow. You would think that the think tanks of our country could come up with something righteous, godly, virtuous, and wise and noble. But no, they're authorizing same-sex marriages. How idiotic can you get? Even little boys can figure that out and so can little girls. But they can't. So we don't go to man's wisdom. We go to the wisdom of God's word. We don't go to what's popular. We don't go to peer pressure. We don't let them force us into decisions. How many decisions did you young people, did you adults, when you were young, make between the ages of 13 and 19 because of peer pressure on you? Because when you go to the public zoo, there's all that pressure put on you to conform your life to theirs. How about on the job? Are you able to stand up against the peer pressure? When, you, when you're at a power lunch or breakfast, and there's six, eight, four officers of a company that are eating with you, now down here it's a little easier, because there's more people that pray before they eat. But in the Catholic pagan north where I came from, nobody prayed, ever. How do you make your decision of what you're going to do? You're going to bow your head and pray anyway and convict and condemn everyone sitting there because they're unthankful to the God of heaven who's opened his hand wide and fed them? We make choices all the time. Feelings are deceitful. We don't go by our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And if you follow your heart, you're in trouble, according to Proverbs 28 and 26. Results don't prove anything. Because someone else neglected their children and their children turned out okay. Who wants okay children? We don't measure results because Moses once struck a rock that he was supposed to speak to and water came out of it abundantly. But he had sinned against the Lord. And he never made it to the land of Canaan because he did that. Don't you make choices based on what other people do. Evil communications corrupt good choices. Do you know if you have worldly friends, it's going to corrupt your ability to make good choices. Good choices are ones that honor God and are for the profit of your life, so that thou and thy seed may live. If you don't know what to do, especially you young couples. You young couples, just because you got married and said the words I do, that didn't mean you're intelligent. I do does not mean you're experienced. I do does not mean you're mature. I do does not mean you know anything more than you knew yesterday. Except that your life is a whole lot more complicated and you're not ready for it yet, except you said I do. 
And when you start making big decisions in your life, you should get counsel from those that have been married 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Just because you said I do doesn't mean you know how to make a decision. I sit back and I watch the impulsiveness, the lack of caution, the lack of prudence. Get counsel. The Bible tells you to get counsel. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Do you know why none of us use that verse? Or we don't like to use it? It's very simple. It's, it's five letters long and it starts with P. And you go for a ride in it. What, what is it? Pride. Pride. That's why we don't do it. Because we don't want someone to tell us that our grand scheme is not very bright. So we don't go to others. The only time you go to others is when you already know ahead of time that they're going to prove what you want to do. Because you don't like to be shot down. But you know what? If we shoot you down, it's because if you looked at our back, there's arrow wounds there. That we've been shot before. And there's wounds on our knees where we have fallen down before and got in trouble. And we don't want that to happen to you. And we'll save you from some of that. Go to counselors. We're talking about making choices. Look at all that we've thought about today. God makes choices for us and they affect our lives enormously. They're all good and righteous and holy and perfect. We submit to them and we give Him thanks. And even if they're choices that we may not like in certain respects in our flesh, we humble ourselves unto them anyway and choose to be content. When others have made choices that are good, we thank them. When others make choices that are bad, we forgive them or we just overlook it and ignore it. And we honor them anyway. But when it comes to us making choices, we have got to submit to the Word of God and use wise counselors. We've got to reject tradition, human wisdom, human education. We've got to reject worldly and carnal friends. We've got to reject our feelings. We've got to reject results. We've got to do what God wants us to do. We've got to make every decision as if we're keeping Matthew 6.33 every minute. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If I could give you one verse to make good decisions, make every decision based on Matthew 6.33. Your choices affect your spouse. They affect your children. They affect your parents. They affect your grandchildren. They affect your grandparents. They affect your church. Every time you make a choice. If you make a choice to lay out and not be a father for one day, that affects your children. It affects any parents that are alive. It affects grandchildren. It affects the church. It discourages all of us. Because you laid out from making choices that were good and godly one day by saying, I just am too tired today. I'll make it tomorrow. If you put off a choice you ought to make today to say that you're going to do it tomorrow, that's called procrastination, and it's just a lazy sin. If you have something you need to do that God wants you to do today, do it. He doesn't want you to turn the world upside down every day. He will turn the world upside down for you if you will make a few right decisions today and a few right choices today. He'll do the rest of the work. There's only one way to be prepared tomorrow for anything. And that's by getting prepared today. You Bible quizzers, 
You know, when you're sitting on the little electronic pad, it's too late to think about studying. Way too late. You know, when you sit in class and you pull out the number two pencil, do they still use number two pencils in school? Okay, when you pull out the number two pencil, to fill in, do they still fill in little ovals solidly? Make sure that it's not outside the lines. You know, when you sit down to do that, it's too late to think about studying. You know, when you're supposed to make the choice to study, and I'm not necessarily saying on the Lord's Day, but today, you don't wait till then. God wants us to make choices now for the future and be prepared. You know, some people go through life, their whole life is being unprepared. They come to buy a house, they don't have a good credit report because they didn't make good choices in the past financially. They don't have any down payment because they didn't save poor financial choices in the past. On and on it goes. And so they go through life always being behind. We need to make good choices ahead of time. And do you know what the book of Proverbs is for? And why I try to write a commentary on it today? Because it's full of wisdom on how to make good choices. And those good choices cover the subject of money, marriage, friends, suretyship, diligence, spending, speech, authority, on and on. The book of Proverbs goes. If you blow some of your choices in life, do you know what? There's a God in heaven that will forgive you. And he'll even make up for the losses you may have experienced by bad choices. You repent of those choices you made and commit to make right choices from here on out. If, if you want a basic standard for your choices, are you seeking the kingdom of heaven in every choice you make? That's the one that should drive you for your children because you want them to be pillars, cornerstones, polished cornerstones in the house of God. Everything should revolve around that. Your work on the job is simply to get far enough ahead that you can support your family and provide for those people that don't have. That's why we work. It's not to get to make our, a name for ourselves or to have some big estate in this world. It's to be able to give to God's estate and make it better. That's why we work. We give God the glory for His choices and we submit to them. Have you submitted to all of God's choices for you? The spouse you're married to, the parents you had, I don't care what they did to you. Forgive them. Forgive them and realize that by the time you die, you will have treated your children worse. Than your, children, than your parents probably treated you. Quit thinking so haughtily about how your parents mistreated you because there isn't a parent perfect alive and there never will be. We all have our regrets about being parents. Show some mercy and forgive them. Be content and thankful for what he's made you. If he sawed you off at the knees, be thankful. All the choices that he made, and there are many, we thank others for their good choices. If someone's made good choices that, have, that has affected your life, thank them for it. Praise them for it. Encourage them in such choices. If someone's made bad choices, overlook them. Forgive them. Go on. The Lord's going to take care of you. You know, our government can't hurt us. Our government can't hurt us. I was talking to a brother here at break. You know, there used to be a saying, the sun never sets on the English flag. The reason we brought that up is because we were talking about a certain Isaac Watts song that says, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun shines. Right. You know, 
the little the little piece of rock stuck in the Pacific Ocean called the the island of Japan drove the English out of the Pacific. Nothing can drive the Lord Jesus Christ out of governing the whole world. Right. Don't you worry. No government can hurt us. The Lord Jesus Christ is our defender. There's not a single syllable in the Bible about changing government. There's every syllable in the Bible about changing our lives, and then God will defend us from the government if we're living righteously. Elijah would say, why are you stuck between two decisions? Right. If the Lord be God, serve Him. If Baal's God, serve Him. Go ahead and make your choice. But every man shall bear his own burden. I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. Two couples have stood in this church the last two Sundays successively and said that they have conceived a new seed, another child. Do you know what the most important thing is? Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. Make every choice to the glory of God and the furtherance of the righteousness of the Bible. And you can have a great family tree, each of you. A huge family tree if Jesus Christ doesn't come where all the members of it are serving the Lord. Choose life and righteousness. Learn the book of Proverbs. Humble yourself to the Word of God. Attend to preaching with carefulness and focused attention and preparation. Seek good counselors to help you make excellent decisions, even if some of those decisions may be different than the one you wanted to make. Your life and my life is a collection of God's choices and the choices of others and the choices we make. God's are perfect. The others are imperfect. But God's told us how to submit and forgive. Submit to His and forgive others. And He's shown us how to make good choices ourselves. May the Lord bless you and me to make choices between now and when our head hits the pillow that are right and noble and godly. And then to do it again tomorrow by His grace. And live with our seed and our children until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Amen. Amen.